The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. We got a fun little show today, jam-packed with a lot of really great stories and equally great folks to talk to. Rather than just get a lot of preamble from me, let's just bring the fun people in right from the beginning, because I got a lot of things to talk to them about. Joining us on the program this week, we got... Co-host Zach Sloan. How you doing there, Zach? I'm doing great, Ryan. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me as we have so many lists to talk about. We do. It is a it is a listy show this week, and I know the viewers and listeners love that very much. Always a fan to see your smiling face, to see your sweet production setup behind you, and you're bringing the hat game this week, which uh, was always appreciated here at Break the Business. You know, I like to do my best to look like a chimney sweep whenever I can. You just got to get your Cockney I, accent perfect. I, I can't quite get there. I'm working on it, though. Just it, it's, it always goes a little too Orson Welles. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Believe, no, believe me. I speak for everyone when I say that we want all of your impressions to begin and end with drunken Orson Welles. While we are bringing in fun people, right out the gate, let's just go ahead and bring in producer Lauren as well. I want the whole crew here. Producer Lauren, how are you? Bringing me in already. I wasn't yeah. even ready already. already. Well, that's never stopped me from before. Just, you know, we just put you right in on the spot. Not Here, ready at the top of the show? What? We, ha- we have a lot of things to go over this week. A lot of crazy, cool, interesting stories about empowering indie creators. But before we get into them, there was something that I came across that I was telling you guys about in the pre-show that I want to bring to everybody's attention. We have done this in the past. We're on this show... We have had me try out interesting beverages that I find on the internet. Uh, mm-hmm. This would have been like, what, six or seven months ago. We I tried out a combination of Diet Coke and champagne because Tom Hanks on, you know, Stephen Colbert, I think it was, said that it was apparently like the greatest drink he ever had. And I tried it on the show and actually thought it was pretty terrific. And so I'm inclined to trust the internet. However... I have come across a drink this week on TikTok that is really putting my trust in the internet's taste in beverages to the test. Apparently on TikTok, all the young people are saying that if you want to have just the best beverage experience of your life, you need to mix. And I can't believe somebody would think to mix these two things together. Like it does not compute in my head, but they say the thing to mix is Dr. Pepper and coffee creamer. Now, I haven't had a Dr. Pepper in about 15 years. It has been a minute. Almost so, like, I don't even think I remember the taste. I know it's kind of like a, it's like a very fizzy kind of, I mean, like almost like root beer, but not quite taste. And coffee creamer, the idea of putting coffee creamer in any soda sounds disgusting. 
I feel like the internet's trying to mess with me here and I would drink this and get sick. I don't think there's any problem with it at all. I was You're crazy. saying in the pre-show, like, okay, I don't drink soda in general because bubbles bother me, so I might not be the best person to have an opinion on. But if you're going to make an ice cream float, you're basically taking cream and sweetener and putting it in a soda. It's frozen, but as long as it's cold, like, I don't see how that's a huge difference. Like, wouldn't it still just be a creamy, sweetened soda? Yeah, but that's a good point. I, I'm sorry, one Lauren. <laughs> no, because... <laughs> Because you're missing the point about the sweetener. No, she got the point. Like the loads of sugar that you put in that beverage. Oh, like because that's not in soda. Would you take <laughs> would you take like a glass of milk and pour it into your Coca-Cola? No, you'd think that that gross. Well, number one, I don't think it'd be that different. Number two, the creamer is is thicker. It's closer to a nice cream. Um and so I, I would go with that. And again, it's it's already sweet. I mean, you could put sweetener on top of sweetener all day if you want. But Point to Ryan on that one. I'm, <laughs> Thank I'm you. Well, We've my, got our referee down on the bottom while my we have brain, our control panel. My yeah. brain can't wrap my the head. Because like, I, I get what you're saying. Like Maybe there's a universe where this works, but I can't fathom it until I actually try it. So we're going to do this on the air. And I think, Lauren, you actually are going to be able to try this out as well because you had a Dr. Pepper at home. I had a I have with pack me, that had never been opened. <laughs> I, I Oh, wow. God. I, check the bottom of it. Make sure it's not expired. Um, no, I bought it like... I'm know. disappointed okay. that I'm the only one without a Dr. Pepper. I, I know. actually drink Dr. Pepper. Is there like a bodega by your house? Can you go like grab one real quick? So yeah, I have yep, Dr. Yep. Pepper here and I have some creamer that I got in the store and I have a chilled you know, glass with ice in it because TikTok says it, it should be a glass with ice. And I figure we can give this a shot. Um, Lauren, do you want to, I see you have your drink as well. Do you want to also- set up a drink cam. Oh, you sure <laughs> did. Look at that. You have a separate <laughs> camera where people can, all right. So my, my operation is not as sophisticated. I'm just going to hold my beverage in front of the camera. <laughs> so how much you creamer have... do I have to put in this? <laughs> okay. From what I saw on TikTok, it's like, it's like six parts- uh, like five to six parts Dr. Pepper with like one part creamer. So it's not half and half. No we're pun putting, intended. We're putting. So let's go ahead. And just all right. Creamer. Don't drink yet. Just pour. All right. Sure. I'm, I'm I'm pouring the Dr. Pepper now. I see. I started with cream. Okay. Boy, that. Oh man, that smell just. Oh, brutal. listen to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get a little ASMR here. Good fizz. All right. So. There you go. Almost a full glass of Dr. Pepper. And now let me, so I don't spill all, <laughs> spill Dr. Pepper on all this very expensive it's podcast foaming equipment. foaming like, uh, like a float would. Like I poured D the Do you already have the first. creamer in there? Yeah, I poured the creamer right, in first. And on, like if me... you look at those bubbles, they're kind of float-like bubbles. Is... Okay. It, it, it kind of looks like pretty. an iced coffee. Yeah, yeah. But it, that, that okay, that looks... That looks like something. That else. looks good. It does. It looks it does. good. It, 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 Can I taste it? Am I allowed uh, to drink it hang yet? Hang on. Let's 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 do this. Together. I gotta wait. I gotta stir it up. Okay. Here. Just, all right. I have everything sealed so I don't spill on all this equipment. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. 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 All right. Count I'm totally of three. Ready. One, two, three. Cheers. Oh my god, that's amazing! <laughs> ah, it tastes like soda with cream. That is so good. 
That's not even kind of good. That is special. It's special. Wow. It doesn't I like, like the cream gets rid of some of the bubbles, which is what I don't love about soda in general. Like I don't like I know I'm the only person in the world, right? I don't like bubbles, but it it softens the bubbles. So it's a nice, sweet, creamy, Dr. Peppery drink. It tastes like it completely changes the taste of the Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper, Zach, you you know, you're, you're something of a Dr. Pepper aficionado. It has a very unique taste among the yes. sodas. Like nobody would mistake a Dr. Pepper for a Pepsi. And yeah, I'm which telling is why you, it's far superior. You could blind test me and I'd be like, I don't know. I'm telling yeah. you, like if if you you put coffee creamer in your Dr. Pepper, I mean, it just tastes like like a float. Like a float. Like a, like, like a Coke float, but not even yeah. like a Dr. Pepper float. Like, this completely changes the complexion of the Dr. Pepper in a way that is very pleasant. I right. I am shocked by this. They're like flavorful, creamy bubbles. And yeah, and it does, and it does like significantly change the carbonation. And it looks like an iced coffee. Oh my gosh. That is very, because like Dr. Pepper has, you know, I don't want to attract the ire of Dr. Pepper fans because I know they're a passionate bunch. So I, yeah, I tread. Here. What's up? I tread carefully. It Dr. Pepper can have kind of a a harsh taste, and I say that in the nicest possible way. Like it's not Does a it? yeah, it's like not a smooth, Yeah, it, it's not a smooth drink. You know, it 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 kind it kind of hits you in the kick? mouth a bit in a good way. And what I'm saying is, with the creamer, it softens it a lot. Yeah, super soft. I like it, and I'm not a. A very smooth drink. Oh, my. You know what I'm thinking? You really want to have some fun with this? A little bit of, like, Irish cream liqueur. Maybe a little, like, a Kahlua, something like that. You got yourself a party. I don't know. I'm going to think about that while we do the next segment, and I'll see if I can think it. Because, like, mm, that might not be the alcohol that wants to mix into that. Dude, I think Ryan has made the perfect cocktail years after I quit drinking, and I don't appreciate that. <laughs> oh, no. Bummer. That. All right. So, Lauren, by the end of the show, see if you can get us, like, a, a nice drink recipe involving what we have so far. This? All right. Because you, you are the mixologist around here. So I have right. a license somewhere. Now, the other problem is, like, trying to not get gassy on the uh, microphone after I've cream didn't drink, kill yeah. the bubbles? We didn't just, I don't know. Okay. Hang on. Oof. Yeah, this, He's gonna this, burp it up. The drink the is not for the Zach, faint of heart for the lactose intolerance. Uh, I'm good. We need you to fill in the the burp gaps. I guess. Uh, oh, so I'll the, do that. The first story I wanted to talk to you guys about this week is a one-time segment that I would like to call "Jimmy Buffett is a Stone Cold Badass Businessman." Why does this have to be a one-off? Well, I mean, because I, I only have one example of this. If you can find me weekly examples of Jimmy Buffett being a stone-cold badass businessman, yes. then yes. we can do this every week. But so yes. far, I just have one example. Okay. We did lose Jimmy Buffett recently. Uh, absolutely crushing. You know, all the, all the Gen Zers like to say there's no such thing as a good billionaire. Can we let Jimmy Buffett in? Can he be the one good billionaire? Um, because he's just an utter delight and I love all of his music and, and Lauren, our dad, have we checked on him? Is our dad? Okay. Cause it's been play. Like we've had Jimmy Buffett playlist nonstop playing <laughs> in the house for the last week. Like he was out today in the pool with Jimmy Buffett playing. And I heard for the first time his new song that just came out. 
that didn't come out to like postmortem really uh that he did with um wow i'm brain dead right now with the beetle uh <laughs> paul mccartney did Ringo you do it with paul? yeah no we did it with paul uh okay. it's called uh my gummy just kicked in and if you have <laughs> not heard this yet it is awesome it's like uh i don't know where i'm going and i don't know where i've been the only thing i know for sure is my gummy just kicked in <laughs> And like the two of them jamming this out, it played today. And I was like, oh my God, that's the song. And it's like, I like it. Okay, now, there's, a, there's a Jimmy Buffett song I might be willing to cover. There's my Jimmy Buffett badass song right there. I would love to hear some Zach Sloan, Jimmy Buffett covers. I feel like you would do the man justice. Now- that's that's doubtful, but I want to hear this this music business situation about about. So yeah, I mean, we are a, we are a entertainment business podcast. So if we're going to acknowledge Jimmy Buffett's greatness, it needs to be through the lens of of business. And as the segment implies, he was indeed a stone cold badass businessman. And to me, there's no greater example of this than the recent story that came out in Billboard talking about how he would negotiate his amphitheater deals. Oh, so. To go to give you an idea of how how crazy Jimmy Buffett was with this, you should know that when most very established top tier artists do deals with amphitheaters to play at an amphitheater, the deal that they usually strike with the promoter is a 90-10 split, where 90% of the ticket sales go to artist and the remaining 10% goes to the promoter. And that's usually the pretty common split. I'm gonna ask each of you now to guess. If that's the deal for like the top tier best possible artist is 90-10, uh, I'll ask each of you, what split do you think Jimmy Buffett got, Zach? He got 100, and here's why. He would say, listen, my my fans drink like no other, and you will crush concessions. So, so you think you think the answer is 100 because gonna, of, of, of concessions? You're, and you're not calling the segment Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett was a badass because he took less. Like, <laughs> there's only 10% more. Our stone cold like, badass businessman, 50 50. Yeah, what do you so, think, Lauren? Unless he came up with, you know, some justifiable reason, like, I didn't need 100, I'll take 80. You oh. take a bigger percentage and book me more often or no, no, give no. me something else on the side. I don't know. He says, we'll go 50 50, but I get 100% of the beer sales. Oh, ah. that'd be smart. Now, he knows his people drink. He knows well, his people. In, in true. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett was a stone cold badass businessman. Zach, you were closest to being right, and you even got the reasoning right. What you got wrong was the percentage. 98. Because 98. Jimmy Buffett yeah. did not get 98 or 100% of the ticket sales. He would negotiate 105% of the ticket sales. <laughs> For exactly the reason you said, Zach. He said, if Jimmy Buffett's coming to I your amphitheater, you're making a ton of money on drinks and concessions and merchandise. So not only are you going to give me every dime of the ticket sales, but I'm giving some. I'm getting some of that concession money too, and you're still going to be happy. I'm making you so much money that you're paying me out of your pocket yes. to bring me in. I mean, oh, hey, Buffett. you have to be, you can do that once until you proof of concept, right? But if he did that regularly, it worked for venues and for him, not just like a, hey, I made a good deal for myself. Like they had to have made enough money off of him that it was worth it to them. So yeah. like you said, go, go him. 
And when you are the kind of artist that has a fan base that comes to your show ready to buy merch, right? Because you don't just go to a Jimmy Buffett show to take in the music, right? Jimmy Buffett is an experience. He is an economy. And if you're going to one of his shows, you're definitely drinking. You're taking home T-shirts and merchandise and all of the accoutrements that come with a Jimmy Buffett show. And promoters know that and venues know that. And so they're going to be willing to give you the gate plus another five points because they know they're going to still make a great deal on merchandise and things like that. That's, I mean, that's a great women to blame merch section. Wow. So for the viewers and uh, listeners out there, Lauren just posted some really cool Jimmy Buffett merch. Lauren, weren't you at like a Jimmy Buffett thing recently? Uh, Now that he's, yeah, I I had to uh, stop by Margaritaville and toast to the late, great Jimmy Buffett. In my nutcase. I was kind of disappointed that my margarita was not in a margarita glass, but I do promise that both of those are margaritas. And everybody put their little memorials to him. And uh, I don't know, is it just scream? I'm a, uh, I'm a Floridian to like have these things. So that's uh, that's mm-hmm. us toasting. Oh wow, that's definitely not a margarita glass. It actually looks a lot like, like my a Dr Pepper glass. and Creamer yeah. glass. Yeah, not right. <laughs> But uh, Did, yeah, didn't so, they know that was a Dr Pepper creamer glass? What were they doing putting a margarita in there? That you would I've, think at Margaritaville they would know how to serve a margarita. I mean, maybe that's just me. Now, Ryan, I have a question. Did Billboard address the <laughs> merchandise fees and splits that artists have with these venues? Because I, one thing that I have followed recently is more and more venues are taking a cut of merchandise and that cut is getting oh, bigger and bigger. All of them do, yeah. So yeah. if the thought process is that, fine, we'll pay you 105%, what is the, what is the cut they're taking off merch? Was that addressed? Uh, it didn't come out in this article, but I do know that when it comes to that merch split, that's another situation where it's going to vary from artist mm-hmm. to artist, right? If you are an up-and-coming artist and you are going into one of these venues that is controlled by a live nation or somebody that's right. controlling a significant portion of the venue market and is also the ticket provider, they can exert that market power in such a way where they're going to take a significant portion of the artist's merch. Um, but when we're talking about the, the Jimmy Buffett and concession sales, it's not just like Jimmy Buffett t-shirts. We're talking about like just drinks, right. you know, right. people coming to the show and buying Our, beer. And typically yeah. a venue can get a significant portion of that because the artist is getting 90% of the gate. But in Jimmy Buffett's case, he's getting all the gate and he's going to get some of that beer too. Yep. And he knows that it's going to be a good deal for the venue. Why? Because Jimmy Buffett was a stone cold, badass businessman. I support uh, it. And, and, and was a billionaire that even the young Gen Zers on TikTok who hate billionaires can be okay with. He's the one, he's the one that's okay, young people. He, he enjoyed life, like super enjoyed it. And he's one of the musicians that like I never heard or saw him play anywhere where it didn't seem like he was just living his best life. Oh. He produced one of the films I worked on a gazillion years ago. And like, I just remember just production stuff, cast party, things like that, where I was just like, I don't think this guy sitting casually is ever not just like happy. Just Good chill. Man. Just super chill. Like he was like, oh, everybody else is stressing out. That's fine. Let's have a beer. We'll talk about it. It'll be fine. <laughs> okay, Dude, great, cool. <laughs> Dude had it figured out and he will be missed. Zach, I commend you for your patience because we had you on about a month ago and you had a really terrific story for us a month ago that we did not get to. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about it ever since. And 
I feel like you were, I mean, and you were nice enough to kind of hold on to this story because it's definitely worth talking about. You had a story from Rolling Stone about the 13 stats that tell the future of music. That is a, if there was ever a headline that just tickles me and is perfect for a show like that, it is that. Can you tell me about this article? Yeah. So this is from uh, Rolling Stone a couple months ago, and I just been sort of hanging on to it. And by the way, uh, artists out there. I know Rolling Stone Rolling Stone is not expensive, but Billboard magazine, some of these are relatively expensive subscriptions to have. Um, your local library usually gives them to you for free. So if you're looking, especially I think Billboard, which is a helpful trade mag, like get those through your library because that's how I do this. Um, but yes, they had it written an article, 13 stats that tell the future of music. Oh, and side note, indie artists, a lot of libraries now have recording studios you can use. So check that out too whoa what what all right that's i feel a like it on its own yeah like you Have got I not like, brought this up before i'm making a note hold on i'll look into this i i feel like this is like this has got to be like you living in like a cool place you got to check your like cool colorado privilege because like we're in florida where our, one... our libraries are getting their books banned like we're we're having yeah. enough trouble keeping our books in our library much less getting a recording studio in there I am like ninety percent sure that one of there's a there is a library in Miami that has a recording studio because I I talked to a guy who I, an artist who I swear was in Miami and I looked it up for him, um, but yeah I've done vocal tracks in libraries before with art with clients because that was the midpoint. Um, wow. So anyway, libraries are great. Check them out. They have all kinds of cool stuff. Um, but here's the stat that just just was eye opening for me from Rolling Stone. Share of music consumed in the U.S. last year that was less than 18 months old. So what share of music consumed last year was new, basically, or a year and a half? I would assume it would be relatively high. It was 27.8. Whoa. What, what blows my mind about that is that, is it that legacy acts have so, there's so much of a catalog that that is just the bulk or is this sort of um, a statistical thing showing that maybe new music isn't catching on in a way that um, is generating revenue? And does that mean that maybe foreshadow, did TikTok kill some of the new music that's coming out? Is it Has TikTok made it so bite-sized that people aren't streaming it? That tripped me out. And this comes from, and what Rolling Stone attributes this to is that tried and true artists like the Beatles are accounting for, you know, billions and billions and billions of streams and new music just can't keep up with the Beatles and Zeppelin and Hendrix and stuff like that. What's your take, Ryan? Is that a surprising number to you? I mean, not surprising. I'm depressing, perhaps. I think uh, what, what it speaks to is, I mean, among other things, is the the change in the way that music is discovered, right? Now... Um, you know, with with the rise of things like TikTok or and the fall of things like terrestrial radio, the conventional means by oh. which people discover music and, you know, kind of, you know, new superstars emerge, those are disappearing. And now, like, new artists are, are being fragmented. Like, you know, we don't have as many superstars in music as we used to. And right. when we think of, like, who the music superstars are now... It's a lot of the same music super music superstars there were 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And so without new superstars, you're not seeing a lot of new music and new songs take hold. And so we tend to lean 
more on our older catalogs. And right, like as as TikTok becomes the primary means through which we enjoy music, you know, that means that music's not being streamed. It means that music is just being consumed in, as you noted, three second bursts in a TikTok video, which is completely changing our relationship to the medium. Well, and the other thing in this article that kind of bummed me out is I think back to an interview I saw with Dave Grohl where he made up what I thought at the time was a very compelling argument that the best way to really break out there anymore is to play live. And I was, I, I, as a live musician, a guy who loves playing live, that made me so happy. Um, but then I saw this stat number of shows, the indie band gully boys needed to play just to break even on a 2022 tour. It took them 21 shows to break even. No. And that goes back to something that you and I have talked about on the air before of, you know, artists being flamed on Twitter because, you know, they stayed at an Airbnb or whatever. Um, Refusing to sleep in the van. Yeah, which, by the way, is unsafe. But um, the fact that it takes that many, I think, speaks to a few things. And I think to an art, to a, a show that we did, I think, actually a month ago, where I forget the name of our guest. And I'm so sorry because I really liked her. But she talked about how even venues are really struggling right now to put butts in seats and turn a profit because COVID has sort of sucked the wind out of the sails of, of live music for a while. And it's coming back, but it, 21 shows is a lot of shows to play just to break even Ryan. Yeah. Uh, but I have good news for indie artists. Are you ready for this, Ryan? I was wondering when you brought up this article, how many of these stats telling the future of music would be positive stats for music. I, I was putting the over and under at like two and a half. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, but this is this is my favorite one. I gotta I gotta adjust my iPad here so that I can look at the whole number. One billion seven hundred eighty thousand dollars. So one point eight billion. Let's just call it that. Estimated amount of recorded music royalties generated by DIY or self-uploading artists. Whoa, that is something that's interesting to me. So my question is, who are these people? Because I know a lot of self-uploading artists and a lot of DIYs. And is it just that there are 10 billion of us and collectively we're making 1.8 billion? Because I don't know anybody who's... Cru- Actually, I know one yeah. band who's crushing it. But other than that, who's making this money? Ryan, you are the lawyer. Tell me who's making this money. I mean, it, it's it's a very few... It's it's not... you know it, it, It's certainly not evenly distributed in the way you're saying. But like, you know, like we've had... We've talked about the statistics before where it's like, you know... Five percent, less than five percent of the accounts on Spotify are earning a living wage on Spotify in terms of royalties. So it's a, it's a you know a very small group that's kind of you know consuming us you know that's earning a significant amount on that platform, and the rest of it is just kind of being spread out amongst artists who are making you know a hundred bucks a year on the platform or less, yeah. maybe a thousand. Um, and so, and and so like a lot of money is getting made. And and by the way, I mean, I assume that number is a gross figure, and so it is not counting what's being taken out by the distributor, or if that person has like a you know an independent label deal and that label's getting some of the royalties. I'd be interested in seeing how some of those numbers break out. That would be interesting too. But here's another thing I'm gonna I'm gonna throw at you, Ryan, and this is something that that tripped me tripped me out when I saw it. I remember. Oh, here comes producer Lauren. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, she's gone. I was on a phone call with. Oh, he worked. He was one of the heads of CD Baby. This is a. This is before I was on the podcast, and I asked him. Kevin Bruner, Chris Robley. No, it wasn't one of those guys. It was. I forget. 
I do because I know those guys too. But uh, I I digress. I asked, what's the best? What's the most untapped way that artists? Um, what's the what what way is most untapped that is meaningful for artists to grow their music career? And he said, YouTube, snapshot. You got to use YouTube. Got to use YouTube. Okay, cool. I love it. I said, where do we need to be marketing? And he said, Asia, which at the time I think was correct. Uh, here's the here's the new stat. Guess how many streams a week go to India? Go to a India. Week, a week in India. I mean, I would, I would. I mean, talking about a country with a billion people in it, I would, I would assume a, an incalculable number. Fourteen billion a week. <sighs> wow. So. It makes me think of like if you're an American, you know, Western Hemisphere artist, you may be doing yourself a huge disservice not targeting some of these places. Like I think targeting Asia when you can, but I think that's more of a Deezer thing. I don't know how. I think Deezer is more popular over there, but targeting Asia, targeting India specifically seems like a like a place that I don't hear of many American artists targeting. And as you said, Brian or Ryan, there's a billion people there, so. I just think it's worth just worth thinking about. Ryan, what are your thoughts? Any countries that I'm overlooking? I mean, I I think of when I, the first thing I think of when you talk about like the potential of the Asian market for musicians, I think of friend of the podcast Martin Mayer, who we had on as a guest and he even co-hosted for us a few months back. Uh, he is known as Canada's Prince of Piano. Mm-hmm. And you know, an exceptional piano player, but where he actually made you know, most of his money and has most of his fame is in China because he, you know, his music became very popular over there. And apparently like whenever he went, he would go to the far East to play China, he would pack them in. And, you know, I'm sure he would have never came across that opportunity if he didn't think to look to that market. So much of what musicians do is focused on how do we pop off in the U S and, but you're talking, you know, but if you can attract that, you know, the Chinese market over a billion people, India over a billion people, there is a, a market over there that is perhaps not as competitive because, you know, there's not as many Western artists that are trying to make it happen over there. But there could be a potentially a huge demand for that Western music, a demand that's almost as strong, if not stronger than the demand right here at home. And a lot of artists aren't going for it. That's really insightful. And I think it's something to to consider. And even, you know, one thing I do love about the age of music we're in is I feel like genre is not really important anymore. I don't. I don't have any problem making a rock record and throwing synths on it. I don't mind, you know, if the opportunity presented itself, I would throw a hip-hop artist on one of my rocker singer-songwriter records. I think it would work just fine. And the fact that genre has, I think, in a good way, diluted itself to where it's just music why not try and reach out around the world? There's a fantastic uh, TikTok and YouTuber who uh, name escapes me because I didn't think about it till just now, but he got his break on TikTok YouTube by doing a series where he would just do a hip hop song and he would collaborate with random p- countries. He would spin a globe, bam, I'm finding somebody from Zambia and would find a collaborator. And that's what got him some recognition YouTube and you know blew up his channel. So I think looking around the world is a fantastic way to try and build your career. Now, Ryan, I'm going to give you a positive stat and then a stat that completely undercuts that positive stat. Are you ready? (laughs) Okay, but we want to do it in this order. Give me the positive stat, and then when you're about to give me the negative stat, I'm going to take a swig of this Dr. Pepper cream drink to make myself feel better. 
I mean, they're so like this thing is the, so sweet. I'm like wired. That thing's from half this. gone. You just look I mean, at this guy. It, it tastes incredible. And like I'm looking at the nutrition information on this Don't drink. Don't do that. That's like, the bad news. This has like like this has got like I didn't know that Dr. Pepper has like nine thousand calories. Like this. Like I was thinking, oh, this could be like a nice little like you know sweet treat at the end of the day. No, this is like a whole meal that I'm drinking. Now, it's like a protein I, shake without the proteins. Ugh. I'm not 100% sure if this is accurate, but I, in my time in Texas, I heard the tales that Dr. Pepper was once marketed to the military as a meal replacement. There you go. Anyway, so, sorry. So, so give me the positive no, stat, then I'll drink my drink, and then we'll go to the negative stat. All right, I'm going to give you the faint and then the right cross. So <laughs> 10,100 artists on Spotify specifically made more than $100,000. Okay. Okay, now that's a small number, but that's still actually more than I thought it would be. So that's the good news, Ryan. There were over 10,000 artists who made $100,000. That counts for 11 hundredths of 1% of the total artists on, on the platform. Oh, God, so the number's even worse than I thought it was. You were, su you were supposed to warn me I was going to be able to have my drink first to prepare myself. No, no. Gosh, we, that's rough. I don't sugarcoat anything for you, Ryan Carilla. That's what the drink is for. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So... These stats go on to tell the story of good, bad, good, bad. But I think what the ultimate, the ultimate tale here is, is that as you have talked about in your book and on your show for years, is innovation is key. Being stagnant and just trying to break into Cleveland and New York and Los Angeles and all these places as a live act or even just as a streaming act or you know, blah, 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 is probably not the way. You're going to have to diversify and you're going to have to look to other markets because doing it in one or two places ain't going to cut it. I'd like to keep this conversation going about changes in industry trends. I want to talk about it through the lens of TikTok and music video, mm -hmm. but let's take a quick break and then we'll pick it up from there. Um, one, to allow us to compose ourselves, and two, because my dog is scratching at the door and I got to either let her in or let her out, depending on which side of the door she's on. So we all know you're getting another Dr. Pepper. Oh my God, absolutely. All right, we'll be back in two minutes. Don't go anywhere. Keep checking out Break the Business. Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. 
You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTV Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, you lovely humans. Thank you for checking us out on all major podcast platforms, streaming platforms, and on SiriusXM 145, wherever you're checking us out. We are glad that you are. Ryan Corella here with Zach Sloan and producer Lauren, having just a grand old time hanging out with you. Now, Zach, before the break, we were talking about significant trends in the music industry and just basically the future of music and kind of where the industry's heading. And I think a recent article I read in Billboard that came out, and we wanted to talk about it last week and we didn't get to it, so I think now is as good of a time as any, is another example of kind of this change in trend, specifically through the lens of TikTok. And the title of the Billboard article was, Did TikTok Kill the Music Video? No, it's already dead. <laughs> that uh that's such a that's such a millennial thing for us to say but but the article talks about a recent phenomenon in which more musicians today are eschewing traditional song-like music videos and instead putting that video budget toward short-form video clips for platforms like tiktok and youtube shorts and to me no better example of this phenomenon can be found than just by looking at at the Billboard Hot 100, and specifically the fact that the top four songs in a recent Billboard Hot 100 featured Morgan Wallen, Luke Combs, Oliver Anthony, and Beyonce, and none of the songs in those uh, in that in the, of those four artists in the top four have a music video behind it, not a traditional one anyway. And you know to, that's a big shift because throughout our entire adult life, Zach. The music video was not just a part of any artist's release strategy, but for top tier artists, it was the centerpiece of the yeah. music release. A you know a significant part. It was, you know, every music launch for a top tier artist was get the song on the radio, get the music video on MTV, and that was the game. And then as MTV you know stopped being a music video TV network, that's right, uh, Gen Zers. That's what MTV used to be, if you can believe it. Uh, YouTube took over as the place where people consume music videos, but video still had a significant element and artists still spent a lot of money on music videos. Here we are today. A lot of the biggest names in music aren't making traditional music videos anymore. And I'll say this and I'm interested in your perspective on it, Zach, as a person who works with indie artists, I welcome this change. I, I'm happy with this shift because I have seen one too many indie artists blow their entire launch budget on a traditional music video. You know, they have five grand to do a music launch. They put their five grand toward a music video because they think that's what they're supposed to have. And they hire a director and they do some kind of low budget thing that is still their entire budget. And they put it on YouTube. It gets 285 views and they're, launch strategy is completely screwed and they do it because they think they're supposed to do it because that's mm -hmm. what the top artists do and had those artists directed those funds to other resources they would have gotten more bang for their buck on their music launch so the fact that now the industry is saying traditional music videos are going by the wayside and and, and instead what we're doing for video is tiktok i like this because i think that's what more indie creators should be doing uh, don't blow, especially if you don't have a lot of money to spend, don't blow your entire budget 
on a traditional music video when you can get a lot more bang for your buck with short form video on platforms like TikTok. Totally agree. And this is something that I remember sort of seeing in the wind years ago when lyric videos were all the rage. <laughs> and when I saw that lyric videos were outperforming regular music videos, I was like, why would you spend the money on hiring and getting a set and editing when you can just make a lyric video and it's going to do better? Yeah. Uh, and so I, I am with you. I actually completely welcome this. Um, and also, when I see artists blow their entire budget on a video, the thing is, unless you're willing to spend tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, it's never going to compete with a Beyonce back yeah. when she would make videos. And so it was always felt sort of like an exercise in, you know, fertility or brutality, really. Um, so I, I'm happy. I hate to say it, but I'm kind of happy to see this happen. I think indie artists, if you still want to do it and you can self-direct it and put it out yourself, I think that's cool. But I'm glad to see it's no longer the industry standard. Man, isn't Beyonce herself kind of the most stark example of this phenomenon because this is an artist who a few years ago would release an album in which every single one of her tracks had its own music video that was very high budget top uh -huh. directors looked amazing and now smash cut to today she does not make a video at all for her latest hit what a shift dude the last cd i bought was lemonade because i wanted to see the videos like that's how far we've come. Like I, I stopped consuming, purchasing CDs forever ago. But when Beyonce dropped Lemonade, oh, I bought it. Yeah. Um, it's wild. It's also wild to see that like the more these artists are doing these things, the other. I'm curious what other pieces are going to go go to the wayside, right? Like CDs aren't really. You're not seeing them too much anymore, uh, for good reasons. But vinyl's making the comeback. So what else is going to disappear? What else is going to replace it? Because there's going to be a vacuum. And I think the vacuum has actually been filled with TikTok. <laughs> it's all, all for TikTok. Well, here's okay, one thing. That, but now I have a thought because yeah. now I have to jump in, right? Um, <clears throat> all these people that are directing music videos, directing, producing things because we're taking less money to put into making these high budget videos. Is that going to shift too? Are we going to see more people hiring directors to make their 30 second TikTok videos? Are we going to have production oh. teams making like, we're going to sit down with you and make two months worth of content in bite-sized pieces because you have a lot of creators out there that are that other piece of the puzzle that in theory are available and are going to get smart about marketing and the like me standing staring at my cell phone and talking might not be catching as many people's attention in a year or two i don't know there is still a lane for creating high budget TikTok videos now mo most TikTok videos are are low budget by design right like that's part of the allure of the platform is people like the authenticity people often don't like TikTok videos that are too polished that are too airbrushed that are too fancy people want to see something raw but there is still a lane for the right kind of music video that has a little bit of a budget behind it and can even have some of the trappings of a traditional music video but it's just in 30 seconds as opposed to three minutes uh have you all seen the the planet of the bass TikTok video mm -mm. no 
Oh my God! You all have to see this. So, what are you talking about? It's, it's it, maybe it's only because like I, you know, I, I'm I'm very obsessed with Eurovision. So ah, there's oh, this TikTok creator who made a song called "Planet of the Bass," which is like a parody song where it's basically lampooning the Ace of Bass kind of Euro pop songs from the '90s, where like you know the 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 lyrics are English, but it's like really strange, broken English. And you can tell that like the European artist who is singing does not, you know, have English as their first language. Uh-huh. And you know, the, the, the video footage, like with the way it's shot, it's like a lot of fisheye lens and a lot of really silly <laughs> stuff. And, but it, you know, the artist who made the video and gosh, the name escapes me. We're just bad with names, all of us today. Mm, but the, right. the artist who made it, like, put budget behind it. He wanted this video to look like it could have been something that was made by Ace of Base in 1995. And so there could be still a, you know, a lane for if a lot of artists want to, a lot of top-tier artists want to do something on TikTok and want to be on that platform and want to put budget behind it, there could be opportunities there, too. I'm sure there's a market for it. My question is how much of that is going to take over the well this is a simple tangible everybody can do it and access it thing to something that the people with the money and the backing and the team uh have cracked a a code of somehow or or you're not going to be as viewed or as popular if you don't have said team behind you it's like watching reality tv like we've already kind of left the it's really real and we're just standing here and it's you and like gotten into this manufactured reality as is how far do you think that's going to go are artists going to be able to continue to do it themselves, make it themselves and with a low budget, or are we going to keep getting more expensive to do things that look simple? In the end, money's always going to talk. I mean, look at YouTube, right? When YouTube started, everything on that platform was low budget. It was grungy. And if you tried to create something on YouTube back in like 2006, that was super polished and well edited. People would look at you like, what are you, what are you a cop? What is this narc doing on our platform? Network TV. Yeah. Yeah. Go go to NBC, (laughs) nerd. Um, But now on YouTube, all of it is super airbrushed and polished and everything. So I think TikTok will go that way as as well. But I I hope that there's always going to be a lane in TikTok for just raw, authentic, low budget stuff that, you know, the algorithm is going to pick up on and fall in love with and uh, allow people to achieve organic growth on that platform. Maybe I'm just and being unyieldingly optimistic. Well, it comes to that. It's what the people want and what the people watch. Like, it's if people are watching things that aren't demanding that of their production teams, then that's going to be great. If people go, yeah, 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 I only want to watch stuff when it's got the wow factor to it, That that's on the consumer, you know? Well, to some extent, it's on the consumer, but a lot of it is going to be on the platform and the algorithm as well. What they put in front of the consumer, right? Right. You Um, can only buy the soda that's on the shelf. Because over time, platforms like TikTok, in a unquenchable thirst for profits and growth, will eventually, if you know they are doing this to some extent already, but they will do it more, is they will go to those big content companies and say, Line our pockets with your money and we will have the algorithm 
heavily weight in your favor when for, towards your content and away from the content of some independent artist who's just making some little video somewhere. Awful. But that's how oh. all these things go, right? And then yep. like that's just- like that's what's happening with YouTube. And it's right. going to happen to TikTok and then something new is going to come up and be the thing that replaces TikTok because eventually all these platforms get greedy and they stop focusing on what's best for the user and focus more on, you know, trying to maximize their profitability and something new comes in and eats their lunch. It's a good segue into uh, possible changes in the way they break those things down. Hey, there you go. Uh, all right. So, I, I mean, I do have a few topics here <laughs> that we can talk about. We have about what? 10 minutes left. Yeah. And I have like 90 more topics to go through. And so we're not going to get to all of them. Rapid fire. Let's do this. <laughs> we can do it, guys. Maybe. My favorite segment. We haven't done that. What, the Overlord Tip of the Week? Yeah. We skipped it last week for the record. That's skipped fair. it. All right. Let's. All right. Go ahead and bring out the imaging for AI Overlord Tip of the Week. Okay. AI Overlord Tip of the Week. AI Overlord Tip of the Week. This week, I asked the AI overlord to give a tip for us about indie creation that was very, let's say it hit home. What I was asking of the AI overlord was to give our show a piece of advice. Uh, As you know, we are fast approaching episode 400, like a bullet train. We cannot stop. We are on episode 393. Episode 400 will hit us this year, and that big, juicy, round number begs to have some kind of fanfare behind it, right? You can't just let 400 go by and not do anything. It requires pomp and circumstance, but let me level with you, Zach, and the viewers and listeners. I have no idea what we're going to do for episode 400. I am... I, you know, my, my mind is burned out. I have a one-year-old. My brain is turning to mush. I'm exhausted. The idea of putting some huge spectacle together for episode 400 just seems unfathomable to me, even though I love our viewers and listeners and want to do something cool for them. And so I don't know what to do. And so I asked chat GPT, what should we do? I gave it all of the information about our show. I said to chat GPT, um, you know, we, maybe we want to do something over eight hours or 12 hours, like a telethon kind of thing. We want to raise money for slam radio because they're an awesome nonprofit that provides radio opportunities for inner city kids. And they give us a satellite radio home, which is nice. And, you know, but I also told chat GPT, I don't want to work that hard. I can't, I don't want to do something that's going to require a lot of work for me because I got a kid to raise. We all got day jobs. And so I plugged all that information into ChatGPT and said, do you have an advice on what we can do for our 400th episode? And it gave me like this incredibly long response. And I said, I don't have time to read that. Can you give me a hundred words about what we're going to do? And so do you want to know what uh, advice ChatGPT had for us? Give up? That's what I, yeah, that's what he's got here. He said, I don't oh, no, know. I bet it says fire Zach. Oh, gosh, <laughs> that's no. The ultimate, that's the ultimate gift to your listeners. The AI overlord loves you the most. Now, here's what the AI overlord said. Quote, 
for your 400th episode, initiate with a recap of your journey and introduce the empower the next generation theme. Ooh, supporting slam radio. Oh man. It even gave us a tagline host seven one hour segments with influential past guests focusing on their updates and offering advice to young creators promote live donations with enticing milestones include memorable show snippets live indie performance performances and an interactive listener session feature a slam radio showcase highlighting beneficiaries conclude by thanking participants and donors throughout maintain a donation ticker updating amounts and showcasing donor messages blending entertainment with your mission to support slam radio lot to like in there you know That's like fantastic. A, i approve not 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 Definitely a lot of bad ideas there's a lot for us to work with and again it gave, it provided like a detailed sort of synopsis of all of the things it mentioned but i was too lazy to read but i like the idea of interviewing past guests um, making it all about the next generation. Like we talk about empowering indie creators, but let's like talk about the next generation of creators gearing it towards the young people, like the ones that are working at slam radio, uh, no show snippets, I, you know, clip show. That's always like a classic thing to do. Although that does sound like it requires some editing. So that doesn't sound fun, but people might like that bringing in musicians, new performances. We did that for the, uh, the break, the business telethon a couple years ago. That was really, really fun. And, uh, you know, having a donation ticker and providing incentives for people to donate. That's, I mean, that sounds pretty good. I love it. I think that's way better than firing me. <laughs> In fact, we might even invite you. That's right. Fire you. We intend to have you work for free. Yay! The opposite of firing. Firing yes, you, at his you face. get to his not work like, for I free. I don't know how to react to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and so what I would say to the viewers and listeners out there is please don't let Zach, me, Lauren, and the AI overlord be the only people providing input on what for episode 400 would be. If there's anything we can do that you can recommend to make this the best episode 400 for you, the viewers and listeners, please Email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. Let us know your ideas. What can we do to make this everything you want it to be so that we can really celebrate episode 400? This is cool. I got to tell you, when we started this back in 2015, I did not think we would get to episode 10, much less episode 400. And here we are having a really good time drinking incredibly sweet, sugary drinks that are giving me like all sorts of gas and having a wonderful time every step of the way. So we thank all of you for that. Yay. I want to shout out to Mary Amber, see if she's paying attention to us and listening to our uh, stream because I miss her. And if we're doing 400, she needs to come back and visit us. Oh, oh you know Mary Amber's coming back. Mary Amber, she was there for episode 300. She was She's there for episode forever. one. I know. So, yeah. Mary Amber, if you're listening, we need to come back and visit us live because we miss having you here with us live. But even when you're not live, uh, come visit us. 400. We need you here. I mean, that's awesome. the idea oh, of the... Mary Amber's the best. Do it. Yeah, she's the best. Although the thing that I'm scared of is like trying to do some kind of eight hour thing. Like if we're going to raise money, it can't just be a one hour show. We have to stream for like eight hours right. or something. And that sounds scary to me. Um, I mean, 
I got a one-year-old to take care of, so I don't know how that's going to work in all of this. Um, you know, I feel like it's going to I mean, take every you, ounce of marital capital I have to free up that much time in my life. <laughs> but you also have multiple co-hosts now, right? Oh, maybe you think like maybe they a, can take uh, over? Like I don't have to host the whole yeah. time. Yeah, we sort of tag in and out. And I listen, I know this is for the old school fans like myself, the people who started back in the before before times. But could we get Metal Dave? I was gonna oh, say you, Metal Dave has You to know come Metal back. Dave is coming back, of course. We have to get actually, Metal Dave. I was talking to him the other day. He's uh he's uh, Tell Metal Dave cool I miss him. We were sending him Elmo book videos. Yeah. All right. Okay, so we have we have three minutes left. Listener question. Um, yeah, let's go to the listener question. We had an article about oh, merchandise, baby. but I think the listener question's better because um, it gives us an opportunity to lean on Zach's expertise because that's what the listener question was asking about. Here's what the listener listener asked, Zach. I was holding on to this until a somebody with actual producer experience showed up. The listener question is, I am producing a record with outside artists for the first time. So presumably they're making a record that isn't just their band. What can I do to get the best performance out of my artists when they are recording with me? This seems like a question that's right up your alley, not just because you're a producer, Zach, but you strike me as somebody that if I'm recording in your studio, you're going to make me feel very comfortable. I'm going to be smiling the whole time, having a great experience recording with you. What do you do to when a new artist comes in to set the right mood, to put them in the right headspace, to give a great performance. Well, it's exactly what you just said, Ryan. Don't be a jerk. Make them feel welcome. <laughs> like, I was actually, so one of my favorite producers is Butch Walker. And I was just watching a studio tour of his on YouTube the other day. And he has, his studio is a bigger version of what I have, which is one big open room. The control room is in with the artists. Like, it makes some things more challenging, but overall, he really prefers it, and so do I. Um, and he said the reason he did it is, is that there's nothing worse for an artist to be behind the glass and see a room full of people laughing and not be able to hear what they're saying. Oh, yeah, that's got to be crushing. And then you hear the mic click on the talkback mic. Hey, can we can we do that one more time? And then <laughs> sil- like like that sucks. And you got to remember, like people are fragile. And egos are more fragile. And so you have to just take care. If something is like, don't overly sugarcoat and think, tell them everything's great because people don't like liars either. They know when they've messed up. But just be a nice person. Be welcoming. Are they a singer? Have some tea around. That helps a lot. Have the temperature comfortable. I have dimmable lights in the studio space because different people prefer different things. Um, Don't, and also here's the most important thing. Keep the sessions moving. Spend as little time possible setting up and tearing down. Like, it's better to have a good sound and keep the vibe going and move, 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 unless you need an excuse to try and force people to take a break. If you need to get, because you you'll hear it in singers' voices or drummers or whatever, they just need 10 minutes. Oh, you know what would sound great? I'm going to change these Tom mics. Why don't you guys go take five, have a smoke or get a, you know, do whatever. I'm going to change these mics. Now you're forcing a break. Instead of saying, hey, you're not playing very well right now, you're able to say, hey, I have an idea for a better sound, and that nice. will keep everybody loose. There's so strategic just, break to make it look like it's you that has to do it to make the yes. change, but you know, it's a way for the artist to take a break. That's slick. And uh, everything is your fault, whether it is or not. Wow. Don't blame the artist. Their, their job, it's, it's hard enough, man. Just If something goes wrong, 
it's your fault. At the end of the day, they're probably they probably know it's not your fault, and it just makes it easier. They're not gonna like never work with you again because you took one for the team. And if they if they won't work with you because you took one for the team, you don't want to work with them. I feel like you're giving us a potentially very rich vein of content here. I feel like we could do a recurring thing on this show where you just give advice to producers or just anybody who works with artists on how to make artists comfortable and get the best performance out of them. Because, boy, that just came so naturally from you. Well, I mean, none of what I'm talking about, like what drives me nuts with producers is they spend so much time talking about money and their gear. And I have this $10,000 microphone. Your microphone doesn't matter if your artist isn't comfortable and not giving a good performance. So focus on your people skills first. Be very technically proficient so you can do things quickly. And the other stuff comes after that. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that insight, Zach. Join us next week on the show. we got podcaster Stephen Robles joining us as a guest. Thanks to you, Zach Sloan. Thanks to producer Lauren. And thanks to all of you viewers and listeners for checking out Break the Business. We'll see you next week.